The aim of Black Mental Matters is to tell experiences with honesty. Therefore, some discussions may trigger an adverse reaction. If a discussion is beginning to upset you, we advise that you please stop listening and talk to your support team. Hello and welcome to episode number 43 of Black Mental Matters. I'm Vince The Voice and on this program again, we are really working hard to eradicate that stigma as it relates to mental health in the black community. In fact, during this time, I know it's more difficult than ever and I just pray that all is well for you and your family and everyone. I really, really hope all is well. We want to thrive during this time, folks. We don't want to just survive and so I reached out to an old friend who is going to share with us how we can experience growth and wellness even in the midst of this COVID. So I hope this helps you. It has definitely helped me. And here we go. It's Black Mental Matters. It's Black Mental Matters, and I have a great guest with us today. She is a just a great pre-licensed professional, graduated from Georgia State with the BA in psychology, has a master's in social work, certified anger management, certified theft and addiction specialist. We've got to talk about that. It's none other than, and the crowd goes crazy, Tammy Von Nordheim. Hey, Tammy. <laughs> hey, Vince. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you so much uh, for uh, joining us uh, here today. And, and thank you for what you're doing um, as as a part of this getting rid of the stigma of mental health in our black community. I love it. That's what we're all about. You're welcome on something I'm passionate about. Yes, you are. So so listen, uh, t- tell us a little bit about a little background of, of, of Tammy uh, Nordheim. OK, so um, first of all, I, I wear a multitude of hats and um, but deep down, uh, mental health therapy has always been one of my strongest passions. I've known ever since I was in the seventh grade that I wanted to help people. And I also wanted to understand human behavior from its core because I had questions, right? I wanted to know why people said certain things in certain situations, why they responded or reacted to certain things. And I was curious. And so I grew up loving uh, to read. And um, I think um, having that passion about research and understanding humans um, as a whole or get from an organic perspective is really how I got to where I am today. So no matter no matter what else I was doing over the last 20, 30 years, my heart has always been with mental health therapy. And that's, I think, uh, the reason why the, the uh, universe brought us together, because one of the things with Black Mental Matters is that we, we do, we, we're, we're talking mental health, but it is, it's everything that you do in life. I mean, your state of mind on your job, your state of mind with your relationships, your state of mind when you go to the grocery store <laughs> can be the world of a difference to be aware. Of, of, of what you're thinking and why you're thinking and, and what you're saying. And then uh, additionally, the fact that you wanted to get into this, we are really encouraging young people to get into this field because we need a lot more uh, therapists of color 
to help us yes. process our things, right? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. I can't tell you how many times I have people that find me and and one of the first things that they say is, oh, I'm so glad to find someone who looks like me. I feel like I needed somebody who looks like me so that they can relate to me and understand exactly what I'm going through. And I don't feel like having to explain to somebody what something means right. or why something is the way it is. Right. So we definitely need to have more people of color in this field. I've got to ask you, uh, a certified theft and addiction specialist. Now, tell me a little bit about that. Okay, so it is not exactly as it sounds because uh, I remember when I was first um, taking the classes to become certified, I, honestly, I was confused because I was thinking, how does theft and addiction go together? I mean, are people out there stealing bottles of wine or cigarettes <laughs> or yes, what? Yes. But what it is, it's the theft part is the focus. So, for example, if you are a person that just you know kind of goes into Walmart or any other place and you steal just to be stealing, mm. you don't necessarily need what it is you're taking or want what it is you're taking. Um, and you might even get caught, but it doesn't stop you. You still have this itch, this yearning to go and take something again, mm. whether it's from the same place or someplace else. That's the addiction part. So that's where theft and addiction, uh, that's how it's put together in that certification. Is that, uh, that's not being a kleptomaniac, is it? Is that, does that that's the extreme, I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but that's still, you know, a kleptomaniac, I mean, to a certain extent, they are addicted to yes. what they are doing. Yes, yes, yes. Well, the reason uh, we brought you uh, on uh, today, Tammy, I mean, there's nothing bigger right now than this uh, COVID-19 quarantine, lockdown, in the house, mm -hmm. families, we're hearing all all types of reports of uh, you know, increases in uh, domestic violence, uh, you know, folks uh, being in the house together who probably hadn't spent a couple of hours together before. Now it's 24 seven. And so and I've seen some some of my friends on social media. Uh, there, there is one lady I really want to reach out to her. She is like wigging out, you know, with with a live video. And I'm like, oh, some, something's wrong with her. People mm -hmm. are going through things. This this lockdown has really affected affected our psyche. And so I hope that today, uh, Tammy, you can help us. The, 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 the You talk about mindfulness and self-care and things like that, uh, how people can cope better, uh, withstand this. And I even like to say, don't survive this thrive during this so i know you're a motivational right. person too so let's let's get let's give them some good some 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 good uh, advice as to how they can make it through this and uh so so let's first start with our kids because um, mm -hmm. they're going through it they didn't get a graduation they don't even know if they're gonna be going back to school i mean what are some of the things that parents first uh, can do to make this situation as least harmful mentally for our kids as, as they could. Okay, so one of the first things that I would uh, recommend is trying to keep a, some sense of normalcy um, in the child's life mm -hmm. and um, and not allowing the, the anxiety and the stress that the parent is dealing with to, to um, I guess you'd say to overwhelm the entire house, the entire family. Um, I'm not by any means saying pretend it's not there or to ignore it, but recognize that it's there and, and um, identify how much time 
is actually spent with the parents stressing about it and forgetting that they have a child that that's also um, experiencing that same energy that the parent is, you know, carrying in the house. So keeping a sense of normalcy as much as possible is the first thing. And um, for example, when we when they first shut schools down, my recommendation to my clients was, um, okay, so the kids are online um, in school online right now, virtually still make them get up at a certain time of the day every morning. It does not have to be as early as it normally was, but still make them get up and be dressed and do their morning routine, have breakfast by a certain time, because schoolwork virtually will start at a certain time. Even though they had that flexibility, something consistent is going to help them continue to feel that uh, normalization. Uh, on top of that, make sure that the kids are getting outside as much as possible to get some physical exercise, some uh, vitamin D from the sunshine and some fresh air. And also make sure that you keep some elements of family time, uh, whether it's once a week or twice a week on on the calendar as well. It gives the kids something to look forward to. And so some, some recommendations for the fun time with the family would be you could have like a, a, a water balloon fight, you know, with your kids outside. You could make dinner or, or, you know, any kind of meal together, try new recipes, send the kids on a scavenger hunt, you know. Um, and if you don't know how to do a scavenger hunt, Google it. Just, you know, you can do <laughs> yeah. it your own. Yes. Uh, have the kids um, feel included on a fitness challenge learning about family history to say, okay, once a week, we're going to talk about, we're going to get in a group and we're going to talk about our family history because that's so important to fight, like pass down, going for walks, uh, taking hikes, uh, all of that stuff is great. And and this is a fun one. Have an impromptu dance party. Uh One of the parents can just go turn the music on, you know, everybody ready, turn that music on, turn it up loud and start just dancing and encourage the kids to join in on you. There's so much that that people can do. I mean, from puzzles to board games. I mean, there is so much that can be done. You have to just be open to being creative. That's good. That's good. And and, and where you started too, and, and and that is, you know, the toxic. Don't speak toxic things. I know everybody's uh, under pressure, but the kids don't need to hear that twenty four seven. That no. definitely can be a detriment to their to their psyche. I mean, this is it's like the world is coming to an end. Mama's going crazy. Daddy going crazy. That kind of thing. Uh, great, great uh, uh, advice there and some some guidance as to what they can do. Now, on the flip side, you know, with our, our, our adults, you know, because a lot of people are out of work right now. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of it. I was driving this past weekend, you know, in a different area of the metro, and it was just strip center after strip center that were empty, that used to be full. I mean, business is going under. And so how can how can we adults, you know, maintain, of course, you got to find that, let's not even think about the finance and just, just, just our, our mental wellness during this time. I mean, trouble, they say, don't last always, but it seemed like it's been about four months now and uh, it's getting long, you know? It is. It really is. Well, the first thing that I would recommend for um, adults and the, you know, uh, ability to de-stress, you know, yourself as an adult, because we do have these mounting issues that seem to be growing. And now I think at the end of uh, July, uh, what is it? Um, unemployment ends they, they for a lot of people. Yeah, evictions. Right. Uh, exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, all of that stuff is coming to a head. So it's going to be really interesting on what the government intends on doing about this, if they intend on doing anything. But um, some things that I would recommend for the adults is, first of all, give yourself the space to be upset about it, to be angry about it, to be sad about it. Don't try to pretend that it's all okay, but like recognize that no, this is a problem and it's not okay. And so, you know, when you recognize that as a reality, then when everything does come crashing, it doesn't, it hits a different way. You know, you, you're more able to handle that because you've been preparing yourself mentally for it. But in the preparation for it, I would say, you know, set some boundaries um, for yourself and for other people. For example, if you are um, a person whose family members, extended family members, not necessarily your immediate, you know, your husband, your wife, your kids, but your extended family members has always relied on to fix a problem for them, Mm -hmm. to come to their aid, to loan them money, to bring them something, to transport them, whatever. You have to set some boundaries. You cannot continue to be the be all for everybody because you will wear yourself out. And um, so you have to be strategic about setting those boundaries. It's okay Um, to say no. It's okay to say no. Yeah. It is. Exactly. I was just about to say be strategic with your yeses and your noes. You know, schedule the most important tasks that you have to do first. Understand and set your operating rhythm, meaning, you know, are you getting enough sleep? Are you eating healthy? Are you eating at all? How much water are you drinking every day? You have to do a self-assessment to make sure that you are taking care of yourself physically, first of all, so that your mental and your emotional uh, capacity has the space to hold what it needs to hold. And, And it's okay to, you know, push the reset button on your calendar. Prioritize the things that you thought you had to do. Take off of those things that really don't have to be done and give yourself grace. Because if you've been a perfectionist in the past, if you've been somebody who's always had it together, give yourself grace that it's okay that you don't get everything done. And um, and so for those people who are financially strapped and, and you know, really concerned about, okay, what's going to happen once unemployment uh, ends, then I would say, I mean, hopefully before now they have started getting creative, but it's never too late to get creative and start looking to see and asking yourself, what talents do I have Mm -hmm. that I could potentially monetize? Do I have the gift of gab? Do I have the gift of writing? Do I have the gift of some DIY projects? What talent do I have that I can turn around and monetize. And then when you figure out what that talent might be, Google and see how anybody else might be using that same talent uh, to create a business or to make money. And then you can actually mimic that because you know, you're going to do it differently than somebody else, but it gives you sort of a game plan on the, what you might need to do to, in order to monetize that. Don't just sit and wait because sitting and waiting makes you feel helpless. And if you start to do the research, that gives you hope and it gives you something to work towards. And it gives you that sense of um, empowerment that you hold the key to your destiny. The government doesn't have to. 
Wow, that's good stuff there. That's good stuff. And the fact that you're not the only one. Because exactly. Think, you know, people, you get, and I'm just as guilty, or I've learned to get away from that. You get into your own little pity party in your room mm-hmm. and closing the door. No, this is the time, as you said, and if anyone's interested in voiceover, just let me know. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it is. It is a time. And there are actually uh, folks that are, again, thriving during this. Uh, one of my, uh, mottos is there's opportunity in chaos and it has proven yes. itself once again and I'm just uh, very 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 thankful now you you work with as I look at uh, your bio uh, women and so I think they're saying that during this time, these studies will come out to say, oh, women are more affected during this COVID time than men or or something like that. I mean, are there some things that you've noticed or seen where women, uh, it's been common for them to have certain challenges during this particular time? Yes. Women seem to have um, a lot more challenges. And here's why. It's assumed that the man in the house makes more money than the woman in the house. So if anybody has to drop their job to take care of the family and, you know, teach the kids at home because they're doing virtual learning, it would be expected to be the woman. And it's like, but what about her career? She's as passionate about her career Mm. as the husband might be about his. The other thing, (laughs) (laughs) the, the other thing is, usually in a single parent home, the majority of the time, not all the time, but the majority of the time, it's probably a mom and the kids. Yes. So if she is laid off, then, you know, that, that's even more of a struggle because she's also trying to figure out how to keep food on the table and, and then teach the kids. Um, if she is not laid off and she's forced to go to work because they're not, her job is not one that she can work from home, then what is she to do with the kids? For example, I have um, I have a client who has had to go back to work um, because things started clearing up a little bit before the numbers started rising again. She had to go back to work, but now that they're saying the school is going to be all uh, virtual classes, she has um, a seven-year-old. And what is she supposed to do with that seven-year-old that's got to stay home Virtually, and if her job does not allow her to work from home again, and, and on the top of that, she's got almost an hour commute back and forth, what is she supposed to do, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and, and then she just has one kid. So sometimes it's like a single parent and, um, and two or three kids. I also know some single parent men who have custody of their kids, and you know, and their job is a very laborious job. Like it's a physical yes. job. It's in the office and it's physical. And you know, he's in a, a management position, but it's like, who's going to take care of the kids? And the kids are, I think, the kids are like five and six years old or something like that. So he's also in the same situation. I, you see it more on the women because the majority of the women have the custody of the kids. But I did just want to point out that there are some men who are also faced with those same dilemmas. Yes, yes. In fact, a recent study that uh, really caught my attention 
talks about black men facing high discrimination and depression, even as their education and income rises. And this is even before this COVID. There were a number of studies that do, that were done. To, uh, National Survey of American Life Studies said black boys from the wealthiest families were the most depressed. Um, uh, a study that followed 1,200 black and white people for 25 years for black men, the highest educational credentials were associated with an increase rather than a decrease in depressive symptoms. Uh, black men with the highest income have the highest risk of depression. I mean, it's it's just on and on. There's a, a number of uh, mm-hmm. uh, studies that, that were done. And, you know, of course, black men issues being overlooked. And now we're here with this COVID time on top of all of that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and so help, help us brothers out, Tammy, can you help a brother, uh, to realize as, as I like to say, first of all, fellas, we got to be thankful for what we got. We, we, we stay there first. I think that, you know, we really always striving to get something else and, and it's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I want to continue to achieve whatever I can, but you will spend your entire life chasing that thing. And then at the end, even when you got it, you say, man, I missed out on smelling the flowers and walking in the park and, you know, just mm-hmm. basic life things because I was so busy chasing. Now, of course, we got to take care of our families and everything. But if I'm all just about chasing the dollar and, and, and doing things like that, that in itself is going to lend itself to depression because you just can't control what other people are going to do and, and how things, uh, i.e. here, COVID just locks everything down. So, when you when you talk to to black men in your in your practice and, and what you do, are there some things that you're seeing, uh, particularly during this time, that is common uh, to them? You know, one of the things that I'm seeing is that a lot of black men don't feel like they have the space to show their vulnerability. Mm. They don't feel like it's um, going to be accepted and that they're going to be criticized and ridiculed for showing their vulnerability. However, them holding it in and and privatizing it and and keeping it quiet, that things hurt, that things scare them, that things upset them, is going to become more toxic within them than not. And so I try to encourage them to be as honest as possible, first of all, with themselves, and then next with anybody else. And it's not saying that they have to go out there and shout their issues out in the street, but it's like, you have to be honest with yourself first. If something hurts you or something bothers you or something scares you, don't pretend it doesn't. Don't try to be all like manned up and just, you know, tough and hard because that's what you society has told you that you have to be as a man. It's, it's more, it's healthier for you to feel all the feelings that you're feeling accept them and then you can then learn how to manage them and navigate through those different channels that's understanding easy. i'm uh-huh. sorry that's so much easier said than done you know because you know as you said the men we want to be these uh, macho you know and if you show uh some emotion mm-hmm. of some sort um you know it could be used as a weakness against you or seen as a exactly. weakness mm-hmm. um you know mean mugging all that kind of stuff you know instead of putting on the big cheesy grin like i have on my face right now be and it just feels so much better fellas what she's telling you is true it's just hard for men to let down our guard we've just made it the norm to just have it up all the time yeah yeah you know why that is is because we have not we have still not yet reached a point where we've normalized the conversations around mental health and the reason i go back to that 
is because if men could understand that some of the the bravest, um, strongest people are those who can admit and show when they hurt or when they're sad or when they're angry, those are some of the bravest, strongest people. And those are some of the more balanced and grounded people, too, because they understand the strength that they do have inside and they understand when and how they can use it. And it's not always a mask that they're wearing, got this hard layer on top and, and they, and out of uh, desperation of being exposed, they become even more hardened. Those type of men, it's difficult to have one-on-one personable conversations because they're always uh, afraid of being exposed. You know, when you can't really go that deep with them, The deeper you can go with somebody, the more connection that you can make, the more understanding there is between the two of you and the more respect there can be. But people can sometimes at a certain point, they can see through those layers of um, hardness that people put up. And then what that does is it creates a level of mistrust. It's like, "Mm, I don't feel like they're really showing me who they really are, Mm. but you can't put your finger on it. Mm. So what happens there is then there creates some, you know, issues in the relationships, whether it's a friendship or a romantic relationship or a work relationship, there creates a layer of, of mistrust, but you just can't really put your finger on it. So if people, learned that that they are they are stronger and more powerful if they are not so hardened on the outside then maybe more people would allow themselves to get there and and with that being said um like i said it goes for men or women i believe that mental health therapy is the root basis of helping people to get there helping them to understand it's okay and being there to hold space for them as they go through peeling back those layers unpacking those bags to expose themselves and really understand, okay, I survived that. It's okay. Yes. You know, yes. I can I can continue to grow. Yes. That's growth. Yes. That's what that's all that is. It's growth. And so that to me right there is the key to how you deal in this situation right here. That is the, the you you can thrive, you can grow because we're here all in this together. We're going to talk about these things that we're concerned about. We're going to uplift each other. Uh we're going to come up with games and things to do within the household with the families uh and and, and we're going to come out of this uh even better, more closely knit. Thank goodness for these young folks that are out there on the front line right now uh, uh, yes. making noise and, and yes. it's going to make it possible for us to do so much more uh, on the back end of this. Before before I let you go, Tammy, the time has gone by. You've, you've really done uh, just a, a lot of information. I see that uh, you, you have a, a, a program that you work with, a, a Girl in the Glass. You want to talk about that a little bit? Sure, I'd love to. Girl in the Glass was created um, about around 2013. So that was, what, seven years ago. Honestly, it kind of happened by accident. Um, I was going through some things in my own life where I was, I was exhausted, yes. you know, mentally and emotionally. And um, I didn't feel as if I, I felt all alone. I didn't understand that other people were probably feeling the same way. 
So when it happened by accident, I just happened to uh, invite a group of young ladies to kind of meet out. And I felt like I wanted to start a conversation. I didn't want the conversations to just be um, frivolous and about uh, unmeaningful things. So I said, you know what? I'm going to start this conversation off and I'm going to share some of my honesty with you guys. And at that point, I knew in my head, I couldn't care or worry about what they were going to think about me, but I needed to share some of my honesty. And when I did that, oh my goodness, Mm. it opened up so many channels for so many of the girls. There was about 23 of us there. And everybody, we were laughing, we were crying, we were sharing. It was exactly what I just mentioned that people should do is share, open up their vulnerability. And so when um, what was supposed to last for like two hours went to for like seven hours. It was three in the morning before people were leaving. And they were like leaving as they were leaving out the door. They were like, what are we doing this again? (laughs) (laughs) So that kicked off and we started uh, A Girl in the Glass. It was a workshop that was held monthly and every single time people could share or not share because sometimes even if you're just there listening and you're just getting that energy from people you are inspired so we shared struggles and celebrations there was no judgment it was all confidential and the girl in the glass was born and basically what I was doing was teaching women how to live in their truth unapologetically how to remove their masks and how to simply discover who they were, what they needed, what their passions were, and and set goals to achieve them. And so in essence, I was teaching people how to be self-empowered. And so it went from there. And the rest, as they say, is history. That's the girl in the glass. Now, your the the uh, your business. I want uh, folks to be able to find you. Uh, growth and wellness uh, therapy for individuals, couples, and families. Correct. That is right. That's my mental health therapy um, uh, group. And um, what people can find me at www.gawtc.com. The that's uh, the the letters for growth and wellness therapy center. Uh, GAWTC.com. They can find me on Instagram at Tammy underscore Vaughn underscore Nordheim. And um, also uh, on YouTube at Tammy Vaughn Nordheim. I have a mental health uh, YouTube channel. But uh, people can book therapy appointments with me uh, on my GAWTC.com. Or, you know, if they really can't find me, they can just go through you to try to get my um, information or my email. But um, people can book therapy appointments with me. Um, I have some uh, group therapy going on. I've always have my girl in the class. I would love to uh, talk to people. They get a free consultation. Right now, I'm doing telehealth uh, sessions yes. until whenever, you know, who yes. knows. Yes. But um, that makes it more convenient because you can be anywhere in Georgia and uh, do telehealth sessions with me. Anytime, anywhere and at any time. Again, it's uh, Tammy Von Nordheim. I really appreciate you and uh, continued success in all that you do. And man, again, folks, I hope you wrote some of those things down that Tammy talked about, things that we can actually do so that we can not only just survive this, but thrive during this COVID. Thanks again, Tammy. You're welcome, Vince. Thanks for having me. Black Middle Matters.